Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Podcast. Preseason is underway. Week one is in the books. Absolute barn burner between the Patriots backups and the Giants backups. <sighs> yeah, I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy Rich Hill doing our very, very best to break down this game. Because <laughs> honestly, Rich Hill, I watched it. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say I watched the entire thing from whistle to whistle because uh, I had nothing better to do on a Thursday night. And I just don't know how much I really have to offer our millions and millions of listeners in terms of analysis, breakdown, and what to expect. And I feel like we're in a position, buddy, where what we didn't see from this game is almost more important than what we did. Yep. Uh, completely agreed. I mean, who are the players that didn't suit up? Uh, who are the players that did take the field first? What position groups, like, had everyone play? I feel like the only thing that we could really understand from this game is a very, very precursory depth chart. Uh, so maybe that's actually like an interesting thing to talk about uh, based off of like who took the field because there isn't much you can take away from this. I, I think Bill Belichick was a little ticked off at, after the game with how many blitzes the, the Giants called where the Patriots couldn't even really like practice their standard playbook unless the other team is going to blitz the entire time, uh, which, you know, in the Giants' defense, that's how Wink Martindale calls his defensive packages is with a lot of blitzes. But I, I think that with the backups that the Patriots had on offense uh, and, and with just, like, the depth players that saw a, a substantial part of the game, uh, I think we do have a sense of, you know, who are the fringe players, who are the top backups, and honestly, who are also the starters because they didn't play at all. Who are the starters? Yeah, the people you did not see suit up. Well, the people that are likely to start. Obviously, we get a little more clarity in this week's game against the Carolina Panthers. Pats and Panthers are joint practicing right now this week. Should be an interesting game on Friday to get at least some reps where the guys were more used to seeing. But I will say, Rich, there are a couple of players that did stand out that I imagine will be at least rotational players throughout the course of the game, or the course of the season, excuse me. Uh, I know the one that we were all excited to see, myself included, was Tyquan Thornton. And I thought Tyquan Thornton had a decent game. I like the fact that he saw limited action, which leads me to believe he's high up on the depth chart and he's not going to be maybe an every down starter, but a rotational receiver in the on the roster. Only two catches for nine yards, but he seemed to have a really solid grasp thus far of various patterns. That one of his catches was a very nice sit down route in the hole in the zone, recorded his first touchdown. Obviously, it's very early to kind of build him up too much, but I feel like he laid some good groundwork for. Some optimism from a second-round receiver. Yeah, totally. And I, I definitely think that uh, he did enough that I, I think that he'll be fine in the, the depth chart. He'll get his opportunities next week against the, the, the Panthers. I will also say, though, that like 
from a depth chart perspective. Uh, obviously, he's a rookie, so he should play because he needs as many reps as possible. But there is a whole wealth of talent at the position that did not suit up, like Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, and even Ty Montgomery. Uh, they just didn't suit up. They, they didn't play, and so that's interesting uh, where, you know, it's great that Thornton is the, you know, the next one in that group, um, and I know we could, like, group Ty Montgomery at any position, really, um, but the fact that Thornton is the next up is a great sign. Uh, we saw that Christian Wilkerson, Trey Nixon, and LaJordan Humphrey, we can talk about them a little bit, got a lot more play uh, th than Thornton did, so those three are really competing for that, you know, whatever depth chart of is still available, if not just the practice squad. Um, but they're putting good tape out there. But I think Taekwon Thornton showed that, all right, well, he should get his opportunities there. Uh, he'll be able to continue to play. But it is a crowded positional group with a bunch of players, maybe no like world beaters, but a bunch of veterans that the team is confident enough in uh, in their roster spots that they don't have to suit up. Well, we're on the receivers, Rich. Do you think that between Wilkerson, Nixon, and Humphrey, there is one spot available and maybe a practice squad designation for the others? I mean, I, I think that there is not a spot available on the roster unless there's an injury or a trade. Um, I could see there maybe being like an extra player held during cutdowns, but the Patriots won't keep that many wide receivers on the roster. I mean, if we consider Aguilar, Bourne, Myers, and Parker, and Thornton that's as five locks, then like... Uh, you know, with Matthew Slater on the roster, with Ty Montgomery's ability to flex around, I have a hard time seeing them keeping another player. Um, but that said, uh, injuries happen, trades happen. Uh, the Patriots have been known to trade people in their last season of their, their contracts if they're not going to get an extension with them just to try and get some value back as early as possible. So there could be some movement around. Um, but I, I think that Wilkerson has always shown that he deserves to be in the NFL. That's something that uh, always stands out. Like, I really liked Trey Nixon. You know, Humphrey did well, but he was doing it more at, like, the end of the game. Uh, and, and Nixon, I believe, led the receivers uh, in snaps. But Wilkerson is a player that, you know, he did very well last year in the regular season. And he's done really well in the preseason this year and last year. Uh, eight catches for 99 yards. Uh, he, he's someone that, like, uh, he could be the exact same player that maybe Devontae Parker could be. Uh, maybe, you know, Parker has more upside, obviously, was a first-round pick. But Wilkerson, of those three, is the one that I'm like... Why isn't he on the roster? Why doesn't he have a roster spot? Uh, and, and like maybe he is the type of player that would allow the Patriots to, you know, say, all right, well, let, let's trade Nelson Aguilar. Like we feel comfortable doing like a, an extension and trade uh, because Wilkerson's good enough to keep on the roster. And Wilkerson's a lot cheaper than Aguilar. I think Aguilar is in an interesting spot this year as a second-year man in the Patriots system. They paid a decent chunk of money for him, for the Patriots especially, and he has not lived up to that just yet. However, again, one year, rookie quarterback, maybe he'll – he has stood out in camp, especially this past week, so maybe this is a, a time for him to really show that. But I, I could see that maybe like a, a mid-season kind of thing. That's definitely possible. I believe that, Rich. We'll see what happens with that. Of course, you can't talk receivers without the man throwing it to them, quarterback. Brian Hoyer saw very limited action. He's obviously <sighs> the backup. And Bailey Zappi saw the bulk of the snaps. I think 32 attempts he made, played the bulk of the game. I think overall, kind of a rough night for him. I will say this in his defense, though. The way he started this game versus the way he finished this game, night and day. 
which is yep. really nice to see. The early inaccuracy, the quickness to release, the locking in on your first guy, that's all very rookie-esque. And I was a little worried early on, but he adjusted fast. And to your point earlier, the Giants just blitzed every single down almost. And he had to kind of pick, do, diagnose some schemes and coverages. So I really like how quickly his learning curve looks. But um, he's still definitely a, a couple years away from being anything notable. And as you were talking to, before we started recording, he seems to have a promising start as a wonderful career backup. Yeah, totally. He, he seems like a player that'll get uh, one game and do pretty well. Uh, as a starter, and uh, then will ride that game for the rest of his career, uh, and you know just have a you know twelve year career, four teams, and uh, maybe six passes, kind of a thing. <laughs> um, but no, I mean honestly, I think he showed like showed up well. I don't think Brian Hoyer's job is at any risk, but you know the way that the Patriots structured their contract when they brought Hoyer back was a, like a multi year guaranteed situation that I could see you know Zappy laying some groundwork this season, and then next year the team being comfortable being like, all right, well Zappy is basically just a younger version of Brian Hoyer, and like honestly, that's a pretty good comparable <laughs> for like what is Zappy's upside, and that's like a very good backup. That is a very good backup to have, um, and he's like as you said, he showed a good learning curve and if he continues to learn the offense then like that's great mac jones's job is under no threat whatsoever but you know give the young guys some some props for adjusting to the nfl speed uh you know the 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 offense that he's coming from I think was, what the hilltoppers or whatever they, they they just didn't have the the same speed that uh, he's going to be facing in the nfl uh, on the other side of the field and so for him to come in there stand in the face of some pretty strong blitzes uh you know like this is a, a quality uh defensive scheme with wink martindale you know he was the defensive coordinator of the ravens for a while and this is a good good scheme and so for him to you know as you say show growth over the course of the game very very positive um obviously uh, had that interception and, uh, you know, completed just slightly over half of his passes. So, like, it wasn't overall, like, a great game. Uh, but, you know, it's first game of his first preseason, so I'm not going to be looking for too much. Not at all. Again, I was a little hard on him earlier, but I, I liked what I saw in throughout the course of, of quarter, midway, midway through quarter one into quarter four. Maybe he'll see some snaps in the fourth quarter of the preseason week two game. We will see, imagine we'll see probably a lot more Brian Hoyer in this game. I'll tell you, Rich, you know, just for a quick minute to digress, everyone talks about Ryan Fitzpatrick as the GOAT journeyman, and rightly so. No one's really had the journeyman career that Ryan Fitzpatrick has, especially how he plays himself under these massive contracts. But don't sleep on Brian Hoyer. He's been <laughs> in the league since 2009. He's played for the Patriots three times. He played for the Steelers. He played for the Cardinals. He started for the Browns and the Texans, I think. He played for the Bears. He played for the 49ers. He played for the Colts. This guy is also a good journeyman, and I always like journeyman quarterbacks because that seems like a really good gig, just kind of bounce around the league for 12 years and leave with a lot of money and your sanity intact. But anyway, <laughs> I could rant about Brian Horry and journeyman all day. Yeah, not much to show from the offense. None of the starters played. A lot of depth guys made some cases. Uh, Cole Strange, I think, looked completely unremarkable, which is the highest compliment I can give to an offensive lineman. <laughs> I have nothing to say about him. There's no job more thankless than guard. I don't think he drew any penalties. He did his job, and that's all we can ask from him. But he was the only, quote-unquote, starter that was out there among the offensive line. Do you think what we saw in terms of linemen, are that the are those the number two guys across the line at their various positions? Or do you think at this point the pass are just kind of experimenting with various groupings? 
Uh, I think that is kind of just their their top backups, um, just based off of like the number of drives out there. And so they had a few players that only played the same amount of snaps as Brian Hoyer. So I, I think you know behind your Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn as your starting tackles, and Michael Onwenu and David Andrews as two of your starters on the interior, you got Cole Strange, and then your top backups are you know James Ferrans, who has historically been that top backup center. Uh, but then also you have uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Drew Descharlet. Uh, I believe he came out of the CFL, um, unless I'm confusing him with Arlington Hambright. Uh, but uh, no, he played with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I, I think that Desharlay is going to be one of the, the top backup guard options. Uh, and, and, you know, he has that flexibility on the interior. And so uh, I'd say that those two uh, players, so Ferentz and Desharlay, are, are the top backup options on the interior uh, and then the team is just really uh, struggling for depth at that tackle spot. Um, so I'm curious to see if the team decides to, to make any adjustments to, to bring in some additional depth. Um, I, I know that uh, that Heron and Cahuste played for most of the game, um, but not all of it. And so I, I think that the team is just trying to figure out what they have available at that position. Um, and like, you know, if, as far as things go, Heron is not a bad option at a swing tackle, but there is definitely a lot to be desired if he has to step in for any serious amount of time. Uh, so that that is definitely a position that I would watch as some teams have to cuts during roster cuts. Roster cuts is today. I think they're going to go down to 80, 85 or 83 today. So there might be a couple of names we'll see back and on at the roster. I wish this is also the time of year where guys get cut and then they come back like two days later as everyone's juggling their various rosters around. Uh, Rich, let's flip the line. Let's go to the defensive line, the defensive side of the ball from Friday's game. Again, all the main starters we figured would be out were out. No Devin McCourty, no Kyle Duggar. Interesting combination of guys in the secondary in terms of the cornerbacks. Uh, Malcolm Butler saw some reps. No, uh, no Jack Jones. Jonathan Jones was also out. Or was it Mac Jones? Uh, Marcus Jones. No, Mac Jones. Play. Marcus Jones. Excuse me. Too many Joneses on this team. I can't keep track of them all. Uh, in terms of what we just talked about, the offensive line, it sounds like there's a a, a maybe dime package starter slot available, but mostly we're looking on Friday night at the kind of second line of defensive backs. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, I, I think you know. Uh, who some of the starters are uh, in the secondary. You mentioned McCourty, Duggar, uh, Adrian Phillips. Those are your starters. They didn't play. Uh, and then you know that Jalen Mills is a lock as a starter. And so a lot of the other players are competing for, okay, who is that top option next to them? And also uh, Jonathan Jones didn't play. So you know that Jonathan Jones and, and Jalen Mills have kind of the inside edge at those top cornerback positions. And Jonathan Jones is a player who has been with the team for a while, that he has some ability to flex inside and out. Historically, he's been the, the nickelback. Um, and he has shown the ability to, uh, especially when you know that Tyreek Hill uh, is in the division, shown the ability to really do a good job covering a lot of these speedy receivers. And there's a lot of them in the division now. And so I, I think that Jonathan Jones is going to have an increasingly important role. But that means that uh, the Patriots need to have another cornerback. And I, I think that Terrence Mitchell is the one that stood out more than Malcolm Butler, who was fine. Um, and I think that Terrence Mitchell is my my pick to be that number three cornerback in, in there. Uh, but also, you know, Marcus Jones didn't play, but I don't know how much of that is them protecting him because he's coming off of offseason surgery, even though he's looked pretty good uh, in the off uh, during camp. Uh, but you have Miles Bryant, who's another guy on the 
the secondary. So you, you have a trio of Mitchell Butler and Bryant that are really competing for some time. Um, but, you know, Jack Jones, depth player, they gave him a lot of uh, playing time along with Joshua Bledsoe, Brad Hawkins, uh, Jake Elliott, uh, or sorry, Jalen Elliott. Um, and so those were your top four defensive backs. All four of them played for over three quarters of the game. Uh, you have Sean Wade that played a big bulk of the game. Uh, and then Jawan Williams, who is now out for the rest of the season, uh, also played over half of the game. And so you have an idea of who the really uh, serious depth players are that are likely, based off of playing time, competing for like the last spot. Uh, you could argue at the safety position that Bledsoe and Hawkins are competing for like that top backup safety spot. Elliot as well, um, because the, the the Patriots are just so uh, set at the top of the roster at that safety position. Also, if you you throw in Jabril Peppers, um, but it, it seems more similar to the wide receiver position where you know who the top five guys are going to be. Even top six guys are going to be. And so how many more roster spots are available? Uh, and, you know, if, if you, based off of playing time, know who the next, like, three in line are, then everyone else is kind of competing for just one spot. Which I think gives Miles Bryant an inside track as the guy who took the bulk of the punt return reps uh, against the Giants. Special teams is always a way to sneak onto the roster. I think it was Trey Nixon was doing most of the kick returns early on, at least. So that's helpful something to monitor in terms of how it's going to get the, the special teamers in there. Defensive line, Rich Hill. Let's talk about that. Uh, we both kind of had our, our rookies to watch in our last podcast, and neither of us mentioned Sam Roberts, the <laughs> sixth-rounder. He, I think, in my opinion, was the best defensive player on the field as the backups fought the backups, drew a holding penalty, had a lot of inside pressures, fought off some double teams. Obviously not slated as a starter right now, but he could be that – annual kind of hidden gem the Patriots pick up late in the draft or undrafted and comes in and works his way onto the team. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's kind of wide open uh, behind the the three players who didn't suit up, uh, Devon Godshaw, Lawrence Guy, and Christian Barmore, who, in my mind, that just indicates that they are your top three. Those are your starters, um, because I think we'll see a lot of three defensive linemen. Uh, it is wide open. I will say that the run defense looked pretty bad. Uh, they, they, they were not great. Um, obviously, it was all backups and everything, but basically, like, the the top two ball carriers for the Giants averaged over, like, six yards per carry. Uh, you know, they, they were just running at will. Uh, and and I, I think that that just indicates that the Patriots' struggles on the defensive line. Uh, definitely a talent deficit. Definitely maybe something we need to look at from the linebacker position. But uh, the, the running stoppers are, are kind of where the Patriots probably will need to have some of their priorities set. Uh, and so I'd be curious to see how that is reflected with playing time moving forward. Um, I was looking into LeBron Ray. I was excited to see him out there. Uh, and he, he looked fine. Um, I, I think that's like a big takeaway from a lot of this game is that, you know, people looked fine. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, like, I'm not going to overreact to the first game in the preseason. But that said, we, we did get a sense of like, okay, Carl Davis, Henry Anderson, those are your top two defensive linemen along with Ekawale. Uh, and then they just let the younger guys get a lot more reps out there. 
And so really, in my mind, uh, it was about getting the young guys opportunities this week uh, or this past week against the Giants. I'm not going to hold too much onto it, uh, but I will be curious to see based off of how all these players performed uh, in, in true Belichick fashion. Who are the young players that the Patriots are going to give opportunities with the starters? And, you know, like it, this is a big thing that Belichick does during the preseason is not inserting like younger players into the starting lineup as like a lock necessarily, but seeing, okay, who stood out when they had their opportunities. Uh, and then the next week, give that player some reps with the starting defense to see if they can, you know, support, develop, continue to progress and just see what that would look like with them in the starting lineup. But so uh, I, I think Roberts is definitely a player that I'd be interested in seeing how he does with the starters, uh, just because I, I think that he offers just like a lot of upside coming out of a really small conference. Uh, he's someone that this has, you know, has to adjust in a major way to the speed of the NFL in uh, the size and like just the athletic ability that he'll be facing. Uh, and so I would just be very curious to see how he stands up if he's, you know, playing next to Barmore and Gottschalk. Well, the good news, Rich Hill, is hopefully we won't have to wait too long for that because I would imagine the starters are going to see some reps, at least a couple of drives at the least, this Friday when the Panthers are game happens. They're having joint practices down in Carolina this week. So hopefully we'll see some of those guys that stood out, the people that maybe caught our eye rotating in with the starting lineup. Uh, as the Patriots and Panthers get underway with their joint practices, besides the annual in-camp fight where the scuffle breaks out that we're all looking forward to, is there anything particular you're going to be watching for that really stands out to you or that will stand out to you in this coming game? Or are you get more of the same? Who's not there? Who is there? Who's getting reps and who's not? Uh, definitely a lot of the reps uh, part of it. But I would also just say that this is a Panthers team that really, 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 really relies on their running back. Uh, they have like a really strong... Uh, rushing group. Uh, Christian McCaffrey obviously leads the way, but Deontay Foreman and Chubba Hubbard are two players not to, to overlook. Uh, you know, they're, they're very different players, um, but uh, they're players that do it all, uh, with Foreman being just a Mack truck of a human, and then Hubbard is kind of a little bit more in the McCaffrey mold, obviously less talented, but can like run and catch and everything like that. And so for the Patriots that have shown some struggles, uh, you know, last year they were bad against the run. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Patriots hold up against this run-focused offense. And so lot to see from that one. Who are the players that stand out? Uh, specifically kind of looking at that linebacker position. Uh, you know, we kind of got the sense of who the, the starters are. Uh, we're looking at Raekwon McMillan and Mac Wilson as kind of being the, the top guys with Jawan Bentley. Uh, and then Judon is the top guy on, on the outside. Um, but I, I'm very curious, well, along with Uche, actually, so that's worth noting. Um, but I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for movement at this positional group. Uh, and historically, we just know how much the Patriots have struggled in coverage of running backs. And so in my mind, uh, whichever linebacker is able to cover best out of the backfield has a much, much more direct pathway into the starting lineup. So you're telling me, Rich, in terms of what you're going to be watching for this Friday, you'll be paying much more attention to and will be able to get more out of, you think, the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I don't know if necessarily more out of, but something that I'm looking more forward to just because, uh, you know, I, I think that the offense will be fine. Like, obviously, I'll be interested in seeing how, like, the wide receivers play out. I want to see the Mac Jones, Devar Devontae Parker connection live. I think that'll be just a lot of fun to see. Um, but, like... 
I think that they'll figure it out. I think Mac Jones will obviously take a leap, but I'm not going to like really evaluate the offense for another couple weeks. I'm just thinking that, you know, if the Patriots run defense is as bad this year as it was last year, it's going to be a very, very long winter uh, once they, they get to the end of the season because they're just not going to be able to to keep up with some of the stronger running teams in the league, which for better or for worse is important in the, the postseason. And it's tough, too, because as you mentioned earlier, the AFC East especially has gotten very fast at the receiver position. So it's not like you can suddenly dedicate all these resources, stack eight, nine guys in the box, and leave guys to cover Tyreek Hill one-on-one. So hopefully those linebackers we talked about will be able to step it up and, and kind of up their game a little bit. Because I think linebacker depth, linebacker rotation, maybe a weird kind of three-four three, big nickel kind of mush-rush front we talked about in seasons past will be able to, to mitigate that a bit. Yeah, because they really were so bad against the run uh, this last, last season. The past couple seasons, actually. I'm still remembering that 2019 Tennessee playoff game where Derrick Henry mm-hmm. just ran down the wing. Of the not like Derrick, Derrick Henry runs down everybody's throat, but still, you don't <laughs> want to just get... There's nothing kind of worse and more demoralizing than just getting ground and pounded into submission. And you just can't stop them. They come out big every single time. And you just can't do anything against uh, a strong running game. Hopefully the Patriots can continue to address that in the coming days and weeks. And we will soon see because there are some very good running teams coming up on the schedule. Uh, Rich, I don't know if anything else you want to talk about in terms of the actual game or uh, we can get to predictions. But before we get to either of those two, I would be remiss if I didn't really spend a couple minutes at the end of this podcast to not more and more celebrate the retirement of James White. One of the all-time great Patriots, a guy I am on record very many times early in his career asking what the hell the coaches saw in this guy. <laughs> they were all high on him as a fourth-round pick, and I just didn't see it on the field. I didn't see it for a couple of seasons. Glad to say I was way wrong on that. James White, congratulations on a phenomenal career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was so integral to the team's second dynasty range. Uh, obviously, he, he was someone that was more of a backup in that opening 2014 season. Uh, Shane Vereen really lit up. But like between 2015 and 2020, he was as reliable as it gets. Uh, he was, became Tom Brady's safety blanket. He definitely, in my mind, solidified his role as one of the top third down backs in the entire league but in Patriots history which is a very storied time frame uh you know like everyone will always look fondly at Kevin Falk and you know he broke Shane Vereen's playoff records for you know catches in a single game he was extremely reliable when given the opportunities too he really stood out you know in 2018-2019 he had over 2,000 yards uh, and 18 touchdowns across those two seasons uh and, and so He's someone that stood out uh, when given the opportunities. He rarely made mistakes. Uh, obviously not going to be in the, the NFL Hall of Fame, but Alec, my question to you, what are the odds that he makes the Patriots Hall of Fame? If Kevin Falk is in the Patriots Hall of Fame, I, I agree. I, Kevin Falk is, is one of my all-time, if not my all-time favorite Patriots. If Kevin Falk can make the Hall of Fame, there's no reason think that James White won't. The real question is, like, how long is it going to take him? That's what I can't quite figure out. Is he, like, our first ballot Patriots Hall of Famer? I guess it depends when he becomes eligible. Uh, I definitely think he puts on the red jacket, just a matter of when. I mean, it's going to be – when, when you look back on just the, the Patriots history, the, the history of this franchise, 
I'm a big believer in stats and numbers being very important, but sports are so great not because of what shows up on an Excel spreadsheet. Momentum shifts and crazy bounces and emotions and big plays and big moments, and you cannot tell the story of the New England Patriots franchise without that toss play to James White in overtime against the Falcons. That is just a, a Hall of Fame, Mount Rushmore moment in Patriots history, and he was behind it. He had such a phenomenal game. He was the MVP of that game. Tom Brady admitted himself. He definitely gets into the Hall of Fame. For me, it's just a matter of when. I don't know if he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, but I don't think I'll have to wait too long. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, he finishes his career, I think, one spot behind Kevin Falk in franchise history for receiving yards. Uh, he had 25 receiving touchdowns, uh, which, you know, is one more than Dion Branch. So that's interesting. Uh, but I, I think that when you talk about what you said about his role in that Super Bowl against the Falcons, he should have been MVP. That alone puts him in Patriots lore. He was knockout that game, especially uh, that was after, you know, if I'm remembering correctly, Dion Lewis and LeGarrette Blunt were ineffective and, and, you know, Blunt had those fumbles early on. And so then they just turned it over to James White and he took over. Uh, and, and I think that gets him up there in lore. Um, and this is going to be something that uh, is going to stretch your, your, your wide uh, remembrance over the past decade, or even just like the, the second dynasty period. Where does James White rank um, among the players uh, on both offense and defense? If we're thinking about his role in the Patriots Hall of Fame and how long it might take for him to get into it, uh, that that's definitely going to be a key part because uh, he was part, he was great, um, but there's been a lot of really great players during that time frame. Uh, obviously, Brady is going to be the big one, um, but you, you throw in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Devin McCourty, as well as Rob Gronkowski, Edelman. You have all of these players. Where does James White rank among this second dynasty of players? Because that might indicate a little bit of when he will actually make it into that red jacket. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And the problem with a player like James White, a third down back, is what never shows up on the stat sheet or the highlight reels are just these little, like, three-yard gains on third and two or the blitz pickup that allowed Brady time to throw to Danny Amendola on that throw against the Falcons. There these little kind of moments where James White is just making a block or, or picking up four yards on a, on a second and three or whatever the case may be. And it's very difficult to, to gauge that. But you think about the Patriots down at the 2.0, you think Tom Brady, you think Dante Hightower, you think Devin McCourty, it's Gronkowski, it's Edelman, it's Amendola. I wrote an article for Pat's Puppet a while back making a case for maybe Danny Amendola as a Pat's Hall of Famer. It was kind of 50-50 among the fan base, which is interesting. But, you know, he's never going to get the credit that, like, an Edelman will or a Gronkowski will because third down backs just do third down back things. Um, but he, you really can't build a Patriots dynasty 2.0 without James White. And so it's just a matter of time for him. And uh, I cannot wait for that, that speech because he's just uh, an all-time great Patriot. Oh, it's totally true. And I mean, like, it's a pretty stacked roster behind Brady. You can, I don't know if you would include Will Fork into this as well. I might, but uh, you got uh, McCourty in there. You got Gronk, Hightower, Edelman, Ninkovich. Uh, you, I mean, you might even consider like Nate Solder. I know that it's harder for the offensive line of things. Um, but like Goskowski, even like, I don't know if I put Goskowski in over James White, but like the fact that that's an actual conversation uh, is interesting to have. 
I, I honestly would put James White in there with like that Patrick Chung level of just like they were so reliable. When you called on their number, they delivered in the biggest moments, and Patrick Chung did that as well. Uh, White did too, and so I, I'd say White is in my mind, you know, one of those top ten players of the second dynasty. Uh, and I think he will absolutely get in. It might take a little bit of time, uh, but he is someone that had just a career that outperformed what you would typically expect out of a fourth-round pick that got a red shirt <laughs> rookie season. Yeah. Uh, and so congrats to James White. He's had a pretty, uh, you know, coming off of a season-ending injury. Uh, I, I hope that he gets that full recovery, is able to spend some time with his family, uh, and, and able to, you know, spend some time down in Florida uh, with, with it, you know, his, his family and be able to uh, know that he was incredibly successful and had a, a great career. Speaking of Florida, James, if you're listening, don't go to Tampa for like a six round pick. Just stay retired, please. <laughs> I don't like players coming out of retirement for the Patriots to go down and play with Brady. I get it. I won't be upset with the reunion, but enjoy your retirement. Have a good time. And congrats to all of us from Pat's pulpit. Uh, Rich, unless you have anything else to add, let's get to the most important part of our podcast, predicting the results of a preseason game. Yes, absolutely. Let's get all to right. it. All right, so you had the Patriots beating the Giants 24-21. I had the Giants winning 2016, so I get a check on this one, which gives me first pick of this epic matchup. Again, hopefully the starters see maybe a quarter tops. I can't imagine much more than that. Again, I really don't know with no preseason week four what, like, the week three is. Maybe this is the new week three and the starters get the first half, so that's going to be the only thing I'm really, really curious about. But since I picked the Giants last week, I'll pick the Patriots to win this week because why the hell not? I'll go uh, 28-17 New England. Ooh, that'll be a barn burner of a game. Enjoy uh, <laughs> the preseason. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm just going to stick with the 24-21 because for whatever weird reason, every game in the first week of the preseason was like basically that score. Um, but I'll keep it easy as well, and I'll go with the Panthers on this one. The Panthers eking it out at the end uh, with a, a 24-21 victory. Um, also, just realizing this right now, there's a fair number of former uh, Patriots on this Panthers roster, which is something that I wasn't really understand, like reflecting on because they're so far down the depth chart uh, from their time with the Patriots that I just didn't even think to, to look for that. Um, but Duke Dawson uh, and Frank Heron will be coming to town. So uh, good luck. <laughs> I just wanted to call that out uh, for people that might want to or are interested in those connections. On. And then the Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold battle might be fun to watch. We can really have fun overanalyzing who gets the nod down in Carolina between those two. But again, as with everything else, hopefully just no one gets hurt and we can come back in our next podcast without any injuries to report. Yep, absolutely. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later.